The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and And talk talk about about it. it. Thank you so much once again for tuning in to the world's only The Wire podcast, where we talk about HBO's The Wire, a show about how proximity to deviant Irish behavior can infect even the most righteous of men. Um, Just a reminder to please give us five stars and review on all of the platforms that allow for stars and reviews. Some just do stars, some just do reviews. If you can do both, Hell yeah, dog. You know what I'm saying, Vince? Mm-hmm. Good on you. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into it today. We're going to be talking about from season one of The Wire, episode eight, Lessons. Uh, and our guest today 
is a journalist. She wrote a fantastic memoir called Down City, A Daughter's Story of Love, Memory, and Murder. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Leah Carroll. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? It's me. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> felt like I'd give a, I, I gave a lot in that intro, and I just got a, <laughs> hey, you know? Hey. I give and I give. <laughs> Whatever, I'm here. <laughs> wow. Finish <laughs> talk about The Wire. Yeah, here to talk about The Wire. Now, we had you on our uh, Sopranos podcast, and that was one of my favorite episodes that we recorded. We got to meet uh, your children at one point, which I say more of that. I'm always for having children on the podcast, and I say that knowing perfectly well that at some point I will have a baby on this podcast occasionally. Um, yes. So uh, are you... You're a fan of The Sopranos, but are you a fan of The Wire? I am foremost a fan of The Wire. Oh. I was a fan of The Wire before I was ever a fan of The Sopranos. Interesting. So you saw The Wire yes. first, huh? Yeah, I saw The Wire. I think I saw The Wire in... I moved to New York in 2007, and I there was like a... I was in Williamsburg, and there was a DVD store across the street from me. Hell yeah. And... Um, I would go, I would go there mm. and I would rent DVDs and they would be like, cause it clearly was like not a f totally operational DVD store. It was just like a front for something. Oh else. yeah. Like, I love Do that. Do you really want these DVDs? I love that. And I was like, yes, please, sir. <laughs> I had a similar experience at a hookah bar, uh, when I lived in little Armenia where I just saw these old <laughs> Armenian men smoking hookah. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, hookah bar. And I walked in <laughs> and I was like, can I have a hookah? And the guy looked at me like, ugh. <laughs> he like looked around and was like, I guess. <laughs> I was like, All right, if this isn't a business, just let me know. I didn't know it was a dude's house. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know I hadn't watched The Wire to educate me. Yeah, exactly. Know. Had you seen The Wire, you would have known that some DVD stores are a front, uh, like mm -hmm. like Stringer Bell's uh, famous Xerox and printing company. Yeah, and Polk, mm -hmm. uh, Officer Polk, he's going to start one with his yeah. uh, brother-in-law. Was it his brother-in-law? Something like that. I think it was his brother-in-law. Yeah. He's going to move, start, and yeah. uh, get into uh, a stake in a, a tape rental business. Yeah. Uh, yep. But Leah But also they were not operating that DVD store like a like the elastic product yeah. that it was. Right. Yeah. They needed they needed Stringer to come in and school them on some macroeconomics. Absolutely. Yeah. They need to know that this is an inelastic product. Yeah. There's a blockbuster just down the street. Learn how it works. Weird front video <laughs> store in New York. <laughs> yeah, good together. Uh, do you have a favorite uh the wire character? I mean, of course I do. It's Omar. Yeah. That's. Do you do you find you relate to Omar? <laughs> <laughs> you, in that you, I rob struggles. Yeah, like do you see a little bit of yourself in Omar? I mean, there's like I think everyone a little bit sees himself as an Omar. But I think everyone a little bit. It's like in Sex in the City when you're like, who would you? Yes, be? exactly. And everybody's like, everybody's Samantha. like, oh my god, I would be Samantha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Omar. But, Omar has a code. Yeah, um, it's nice to have a code. Omar is ultimately the moral compass of that show. And I mean, I think the thing that was craziest about rewatching it was like, I'm super, super, super fucking ACAB now, yeah. like completely radicalized. Mm -hmm. It's I, I was, you know, in, in my book, the the police 
my mom was a sex worker and so they never like prosecuted her murder they just like let the guys get Damn. away with it so I, I have been for a long time but now that it's formalized into a philosophy yeah but um now that it's got a nice I, little initialism it's got a nice little slogan yeah that is actually like super harmful to the movement but yeah. um <laughs> uh, <laughs> does it like a disservice in every possible yeah, way yeah right but. this is not not like good optics nor helpful but it is <laughs> it's really cute I to say though it's a thing we all agree with, essentially, but that's not right. to say it's helpful in any way. Yeah, needs some workshopping. Um, no, I think I was, I was, because, so I, I know David Simon. Oh, no um, way. In that I know his wife and I know um, people who worked for him on um the deuce oh, a writer yeah. two writers and the um set designer whoa and you, you, i have like been at functions with david where i've been introduced to david and he's like hello i'm david and david is <laughs> david simon david would always like be that. saying that <laughs> he always no, be you like know you picture david hey. simon I'm David. Hey, I'm a you're a shipbird. Uh, I like shows about wires. That's how he talks, right? I'm sorry. Uh, J- JK, you think you can get him on? Of course. Great segue. So wait, wait, what was it like meeting David Simon? I mean, it's like meeting a like grumpy old journalist from Baltimore. That's oh, okay. like his whole he. That's what I mean. Like that. Like it's like like I, this is such a tangent. I promise I won't go off on all these. No, no, please. When I worked at when I worked at Refinery Twenty Nine, there was a um, our our IT guy. Actually, the chief IT guy got caught freaking out at a Popeyes over not being able to get the Popeyes like hot chicken sandwich. I mean, I get that. Yeah, and he was like, "What?" And he like launched into like a a a profanity and like homophobic slur laden like rant. What? And somebody caught it on video and uploaded it to Twitter. <laughs> and my friend, um, like you do, I, I love like the idea. Do. He's like, "I really want this chicken sandwich." You goddamn Peter Buffer! Word <laughs> <laughs> told me that shit. Look at that. Look at that. Fucking Peter Buffer. They just weren't getting them. Yeah, <laughs> and um, my friend, I just remember that my friend commented on the like thread, like, "Wait, no, I know this guy, and he's just like that." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just that's how I kind of think of you meet him, and you're like, "Oh, you're yeah, you're just like." <laughs> that is actually a fair way of looking at it. Where he it's loves like calling people slurs over sandwiches. Yeah, he loves the sandwiches like, and he hates the gays. Yeah, uh, this is just him. kind of who he is. <laughs> There is a level, though, where that makes sense, where there's a level of, like, being like, no, he's just like that. Like, there's an honesty to being like, (laughs) well, no, this isn't you catching, like, a viral moment of someone saying the worst thing in their deepest, darkest heart. It's like, no, 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 no. He's always like that. He just walks around. Yeah. Doing that. You could have caught that three or four different times that day right yeah. right exactly you you're not actually catching anything special i know everyone who's just meeting this guy for the first time hey, sorry i'm just uh, trying to do a, a podcast away from hello sorry no, it's I'm, fine. In, I'm in our funk i'm in the function room that's fine it's all good in the hood um, but yeah, I, I liked I like knowing that David Simon um, is just like that. 
you know, not just not a bigot, but he is someone who will he's be just grumpy like at David you. Simon. Yeah, he's like this. He's just David Simon. He, he's exactly no, what you think grumpy. he would be. He's grumpy. He loves his wife. There's a Laura Lippman cameo in this episode. Bunk is reading a uh, Laura Lippman novel. Oh, oh, that's cute. I like that. They're very cute. They're fucking gross. Oh, so that's cute. very very cute. Well, but this is not a. Uh, Laura Littman podcast? No, <laughs> this is this is a wire the wire podcast, and we cannot start the podcast, of course, without first playing the theme song. Pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, today, once again, we're talking about from season one of The Wire, episode eight, Lessons, which premiered on July 28th, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that official synopsis? I sure can. I love official synopses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Synopsis, The Wire almost gets taken down again, but then it isn't again. (laughs) Did some, did, did I, was that a gunshot? It was not only was it not a good show, it was the door to our communal rooftop. Oh, fair. Good. I'm glad to know that'll be happening. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't let it get to you. I think they closed it so they could come down the other side. Oh, good. (laughs) Sick, sick. Um, uh, Yeah, no, that's the synopsis. And um, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is in order to evaluate art, we need the cultural context when it was of when it was released. And uh, for that, we uh, we put that cultural context back in with something we like to call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale, son. You happy now, bitch? <laughs> I got a soundboard now, guys. Oh, geez. Well, um, we can look forward to you not abusing that in any way, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Uh, for this, uh, today's Back in the Day machine, we're going all <laughs> the way back to July 28th, 2002, when this episode was released. A lot of things were happening at the time. Uh, one thing that went on, uh, there was a crash that killed at least 78 at a Ukraine air show because God damn. they do not do death halfway over there. No, yeah, they go the for it. When uh, people die, they all die. A Ukrainian fighter jet swooping time. low in the middle of an acrobatic stunt crashed into a large crowd at an air show near the Western Ukrainian city of Lviv today, killing mm. at least 78 spectators on the ground. Fuck. It's a lot of people. It's a whole lot of people. That's a lot of dead. Man, what a fun news story you found. Yeah, that's a lot. It must have been a pretty packed air show. Yeah. You know, yeah. and also, like, I, I feel a little bit with, like, the the driver of the plane was... They lived. Both of them lived. They ejected. Really? Yeah. What? They ejected. They ejected. Well, they clipped something on the way down, uh, and right after they clipped the thing with their wing, they ejected, and then it crashed into the crowd. <laughs> It's just floating down in a parachute going, egg on my face. Yeah, this is embarrassing. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, other news uh, that was going on at the time, uh, we got a big article about uh, the Boston Mafia 
and uh, you know something covered uh-huh. in the yeah. Departed, Dancing with the Devil. Highest levels of FBI conspired with mafia hitmen and bosses for twenty years. Uh, oh shit, that is like the Departed. Yeah, for more than twenty years, FBI headquarters in Washington knew that its Boston agents were using hitmen and mob leaders as informants and shielding them from prosecutions for serious crimes, including murder. The Associated Press has learned. Dude, that's exactly like the Departed with Frank Costello. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Mm. Mm. But was, Jack Nicholson was an FBI informant the whole time. And then Matt Damon's like, you're an FBI informant? How yeah. could you be an FBI informant? You must be the other guy. I'm the guy that does his job. Yeah. Oh, but park the car and have it yet. You know? That's what he kept saying. You must be the other guy. Questions? You got questions? Yeah. I have some questions for you. Yeah. Where were you when my uh, mother was yeah. uh, dying of cancer? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where were After you when? This? Where uh, you like them apples? When the apples? Ca- I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, so that was another fun story. Um, and other really uplifting news. Mm. I, I was. I felt like this was relevant to the episode, and also the headline was just like, what? Uh, Wife killings at Fort reflect growing problem in military. What? Yeah. Uh, Wife killings? mm -hmm. The recent spate of cases in which soldiers have been charged with killing their wives in this sprawling community around Fort Bragg, the home of the Army Special Forces, reflects a growing problem of domestic violence in the military, lawyers, psychologists, and other experts say. Uh, over mm. the past six weeks, law enforcement officials say four women have been killed by soldiers stationed at Fort Bragg, three of them members of the special forces who had been fighting in Afghanistan. What is it with Fort Bragg, bro? Is it like it's just, you know, the, I guess, you know, now it's mostly um, accidental fentanyl overdoses. Mm. But it seems like, you know, um, this is. It's just a pattern. Fort Bragg is where you go. Soldiers go to uh, well to do some violence to. I mean, if they're doing violence abroad and that's where they come back to, yeah, yeah. I guess it makes sense. The worst part is to think is that if this was 2002, that was like literally the start of the forever war. Yeah, that's right. So these are like these are like the the guys who are we weren't even in Iraq yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these guys, it wasn't even like, man, you sometimes you bring the frontier home. It's like these guys were just like, when am I going to go to war? And then they kill their wives. Also, like this is every true crime buff. It's every dateline. It's every like, it's like the husband. Yeah, they always right. like, it's always if the you're husband. a woman, it's like, and you're murdered. It's a 93% chance that your husband murdered you. So. Yeah. Which is kind Unless of like my wife because you guys know. Yeah, I was going to say because if my wife gets guy. murdered, I it's definitely not me. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. Isn't that right, Snoop? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, in lighter news, I thought we had to close off with something kind of light. Which So I went to the New York Post and their famous What I Watch segment. Uh, oh. Starring guest commentator this week, Darius Rucker, lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, shit. Making a cultural comeback. That's, I know. That's right. Uh, his his What I Watch, Law and Order. I love all three shows, but right now, Criminal Intent is my favorite. Vincent Ugh. D'Onofrio just blows me away. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good to know yeah. that someone was watching Criminal Intent. And it was what, Hootie. It, is that it? Is that all he was that's, watching? Yeah. Well, that's all they gave. Yeah. He, they only gave him one blurb. And he used it, it on Criminal Intent of all things. I know, which I they know. once That's filmed an episode. Well. They filmed an episode of that uh, once in my apartment uh, in New York when I was in grad school. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Why? Because they were like, we're looking for like a really like natural rapist apartment. Literally, my apartment was the location for pedophiles apartment. Uh, and uh, they did you guys get paid? We did. We got like three, like three thousand children like that. Plus. Oh, in yeah. money. It's a good chunk of change. I got uh, my apartment got scouted once by law and order, but my landlord wouldn't let them do it. Well, they uh, we had painted the walls uh, like the, they used to be white and we painted them like gray or something. And uh, gray, they, mm. those work better for filming, apparently. So if you want someone to uh, film an episode of Law and Order in your apartment and paint your walls. Yeah, you just have to live in a gray apartment until <laughs> you either kill yourself or Law and Order comes to knock. Yeah, or a kid, apparently, according to that episode. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's uh, that was the back in the day machine. So that's what was going on at the time. There was uh, Ukrainians dying in air show freak accidents, and there was uh, Darius Record loving the uh, you know criminal intent with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. So well, good to we know. were finding out that the FBI was bad, and also right. that For the first time special forces guys uh, sometimes kill their wives. That's right. They bring the violence home, which is partly the uh, theme of this episode. That's why I chose that. Oh, okay. I like yep, it. Yep. Sure. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the pull quote for this episode was, come at the king, you best not miss Omar. And um, my pull quote for this episode is, hair, fibers, pussy, bunk. Um, because that is my favorite quote of the episode. And uh, this week for the Balta B stories or Balmer B stories, um, yeah, I kind of, uh, I just kind of went with a, a song that I liked in 2002 when this episode came out. So, um, yeah, I'll just play a little bit of that for you right now. You know, okay. that Jesus makes the rules. How do, you know oh, yeah, that, sure. how do you know that Chris Cornell is a practicing Christian? He doesn't need to be. Rules are rules. You ask any Christian, and that's what they say. They say you kill yourself, and then you go to hell, because Jesus, the way Jesus I works, think we, we, is he's... I think we also say die by suicide now. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. You can't say kill yourself? You can't say committed suicide. Oh. Why? <laughs> because committed is... 
Oh, it makes it sound like a crime. Can, yeah. Well, it is a crime according to Jesus. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Do you want uh, our sponsor this, read now or? No, no, no. That's not for a while. <laughs> Good. I'm sure this will go well. Um, so, mm, uh, today, um, I split this episode up into a few different parts, um, but let's just get some general thoughts. Uh, Vince, what did you think of, of today's episode? I, I thought it was striking that this was like the most uh, context and continuity uh, dependent episode of The Wire like up to date. Like the first episode, I think like they forced David Simon to do a flashback to make sure right. you remembered who like Willie Gant was. And this mm-hmm. one is just like names acronyms uh people (laughs) that you don't remember people that you don't know yet but you worry Mm -hmm. that you should know and it's all this names for criminal codes that we don't know there was one that was he did a pb and j and i was like yep peanut butter jelly before that drug charges and a pbj on a chick charge yeah uh, I f- forgot. I like. I looked that up, and I forgot what it is. But it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. There's like this one. It almost needed annotations for most mm-hmm. of the episode. Um, and just when you're like about to throw in the towel, like, oh my god, there's too many names and things to remember. They give you a good old fashioned gunfight where like your yeah. favorite character, your problematic fave, guns down mm-hmm. uh, uh, a bad raping murderer. And you're like, okay, and that's kind of yeah. that's just classic the classic the wire, you know. You get your yeah, you get your medicine, and you get your little spoonful of sugar to help it go down. Absolutely, and the spoonful of sugar is um, just you know, yeah, the murder of a um, homophobic rapist, mm-hmm. which is like if ever there was someone I mean, to root against. Well, no, but I don't think it's Weebay. Yeah, it was Weebay. I tell you, that's, is it wasn't exact. Yeah, it wasn't exact. I wasn't mean, perfect. but, you know, I don't know. I'm, you know, not saying guilt by association, but let's be real here. <laughs> you think uh, Weebay moved that body alone? No. No. I don't think so. But yeah, no, I agree. That was, it was definitely, again, another episode in which you just get thrown into the deep end. And, you know, it's kind of sink or swim, but they give you just enough cool guy stuff to be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, they give you enough uh, fun stuff that makes you want to uh, look up the things that you don't know instead of just writing it off as like, oh, this is. Uh, right. This is exactly. Yeah. Uh, Leah, what do you think of this episode? You know, this whole first season is is rocky. Mm hmm. The first three episodes are famously terrible. Yeah. Um, But I do feel like once Omar enters, you get something interesting going on. And But you know what's interesting about it is, like, I know it's lessons and whatever. You could talk about all the lessons. But the, like, come with the king you best not miss is so quoted. But I don't think people remember much about this episode. Totally. This, I, re- mm-hmm. I remember this episode because I remember um, the woman that is like in Weebae's bed and is dead and being like super troubled by that sure. when I first watched it. Um, but I feel like people associate that quote with just like Omar badassery. Right. When in actuality, it's like it. Like they have to give you the Omar badassery, but like his 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 like lover, the love of his life, has just been like horrifically murdered, and this is done in response to that. Right. Like there's 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 just like the I, it's one of the, you know and, and like the Sopranos was like this too that you you lose things in the context of 
of what makes a good quote and over time. Right. Yeah. But I do love that this episode sets up for my favorite episode of The Wire where Omar testifies against Bird. Oh, I love that. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they do a similar thing that The Sopranos does where both shows are like meticulous about, uh, hey, don't confuse any of these characters that you like for good people. And like this episode, like the bunk is one of the most lovable characters on the show. And then this whole episode, I feel like they're like, yeah, uh, we just want you to know he's not a lot of fun to live with. Uh, he's uh, yeah. he's kind of a maniac at the yeah. edge a little bit. And he's uh, certainly not perfect. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, also the like I always have found that scene of like the woman in the bar with like the glass of Chardonnay, <laughs> like giving him the yeah. eye, is like it seems like almost like it would be what were those commercials that were popular with like the the Nescafe or whatever. <laughs> It's like, it's just, it's, it's one of those wire things. It's like, it's, it's him and you could tell him and Ed Burns were just like, no, this is how a woman like gets your eye. At the bar. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah. 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 Women, women come to bars already horny. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just look yeah. for a man, any man, doesn't matter who. Even though they're at a table of men. Yeah. At a table of men, but looking for a new man. New man not surrounded so so that they could fuck. No, I get it. Yeah. You, that is how did, women be. They throw their Ferrari in reverse, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the window comes down, and they're like, are those Bugle Boy jeans? And Absolutely. you're like, yeah. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, They're in your bed. City. and yeah. Yeah. And then next thing they know, you're in their bathroom burning your clothes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So th- for me, I... Um, I love this episode uh, mostly for the side quests that happen in it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, for the like you guys are saying, the main story is great. Like you get the 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 really amazing stuff. Come at the king, you best not miss with you know Omar killing Stinkum, and you know it like fucks up their whole case. And you know I I also I I love the like jacking up the senatorial aid and stuff. But like the side quests where it's just where it really shines is like in the development of the character of Stringer Bell. Um, like to me is just like that is that's a beautiful thing that like ends up being the thing that sticks with me the most yeah. in this episode. Yeah, because they're like, yes, he is a criminal mastermind and a ruthless murderer, but he's also kind of like a Reddit guy. Like he's yeah, a, right. He's yeah. out there. He's and he he just. He drives a maroon Camry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, he drives yeah. a maroon Camry, and he—I just—I love him in school, like in a community college class, just like being a really good student, and just he has that like grind set mindset that—that's mm-hmm. what he would be now. Would be like yeah. a guy who works out on TikTok and is like, you know, reading books is like working out for your mind. You know, like one of those. No, he's one doing. Of those guys. He's doing viral LinkedIn blogs about. Uh, yes. you know, he helped a guy, and it turned out that he was sitting across from him in a job interview kind of right thing. Yeah. yeah exactly happens every day <laughs> happens every day actually, the, 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 i don't know why that gets me but yes the, the linkedin hustle culture that's blog. definitely him like you can see stringer bell's linkedin 
profile picture already <laughs> yeah. with the, the, the close up with the glasses. The glasses. He's got and a tie. He's, always, he's like he's always wants to connect to everybody. Like he's yes, always yes, he's always connect. He has an <laughs> automatic message that sends out every time you agree to connect with him. Where it's just like, hey, here's some projects I'm working on. Would you be interested in helping yeah. me build? When you when you uh, when you add like a new job, it's you get an automatic message that says like, congratulations on all your success. <laughs> You keep getting emails. Celebrate five years at Barksdale Corporation for Stringer Bell. Oh, man. Yeah, he's someone who's like, if someone were to ask him, like, what do you do with the Barksdale Corporation? He'd be like, oh, I'm the COO. Like, he would have like a C-suite title. Um, but I, I, what we're doing I, I, is leveraging uh, partnerships. Uh, we, we, we partner. I like, I like all the, the business terms that don't mean anything specific so that they can like get around like oh we leverage mm -hmm. we leverage uh partnerships and we're building opportunities uh with uh, yeah yeah we build various but brand opportunities one, it's a it's a it's also this episode is so bittersweet because you know that he's he's doomed I feel to like fail I feel more well you know that he's gonna go to avon and he's gonna say like okay like let's take this legit which i don't think it needs to be legit right that's like a dated sort of idea of how it's good but he's gonna he's he's gonna say like let's do something and then yeah and it's, it's not gonna, work gonna be like no that's stupid yeah that's stupid and yeah. dumb and we you're not going to actually find a business that makes more money than drug dealing so what are we doing here um but yeah i love i well, love he the also kind of switched places with d'angelo from a few episodes because <laughs> a few episodes ago and there's a call back to it and this episode like d'angelo's like why can't we just run this like a business which he stole from i think it was either bunker mcnulty uh yeah being like you know, yeah why can't you guys just sell drugs without like killing each other um and then and and but, but originally stringer kind of like shat on that idea where he's like look man we can step on this product 10 times and they're gonna and they're gonna be back twice as fast uh it's not that kind of like we can do whatever we want kind well, of thing yeah and now yeah, Vince, but then he went to school yeah 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 he got yeah uh, he went to community college and he said oh shit you know he got we grind pilled yeah he got grind pilled i will say that i will say that having taught like um like uh comp 101 at baruch you do get this guy in your class and you're like <sighs> you're like oh like you, 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 he comes to your office hours. Yeah, you're yeah. like, he, you're just like, you're like, yes, any reference you need. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. The, the kind of student who really, really wants to be there, really wants to learn is like, it's a, yeah. it's a great person to teach for sure. I mean, Stringer. Yeah, and you're like, okay, class, like Stringer yeah. had a very interesting point. <laughs> what, what, what do we think about that? Yeah, but then you gotta be, I mean, what this shows is that you gotta be worried like eight months months from now he's going to be in a courtroom somewhere like parroting whatever you said in your class to the judge and you're kind of like oh like you got your you got your you're, like, you're looking down yes. you're like oh shit uh, i think one of one oh, of my maybe i was too confident in that lesson yeah <laughs> one of my favorite scenes with this whole uh side quest story is when um first you see him in class learning about an elastic product and then uh, much like in Home Improvement, whenever Tim talks to his neighbor, <laughs> they have uh, Wilson. <laughs> yep. Wilson, yeah, you have him parroting 
uh, parroting the exact thing that he learned. Some key factors that affect the elasticity of demand are what? Uh, Mr. Bell. Desire, consumer need. Right, specifically the ability of a consumer to delay acquisition. Man, fuck him. Let him wait. No, no, you're not gonna bring that corner bullshit up in here. You hear me? You know what we got here? We got an elastic product. You know what that means? That means when people can go elsewhere and get their printing and copying done, they're going to do it. You acting like we got an inelastic product and we don't. Uh, he really, yeah. his accent really came out there. Like you really, you really heard his like British accent escape. A few yeah, times. when he was a student. So I, many Brits, so many Brits on the Yeah, a lot of Brits. I mean, that was the one where it was like, yeah, you know, his accent fell, but it was almost like did, he probably didn't even know he was being recorded. He probably was just actually in class. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I I I love the entire storyline of uh, Stringer being, you know tailed by jimmy and it all starts off with this cold open which is uh, another great the wire cold open um so mcnulty and his kids are in some sort of like i guess it's a farmer's market mm -hmm. um and they uh you know he's quizzing his kids on various orioles players i'm assuming and uh he sees stringer bell and he has his two boys tail him with a thing called front and follow and uh and they do, but they get lost in the process of it, which I think is wonderful. And um, uh, I have a quick clip. Listen, guys, we're going to play that spy game. Do you remember the spy game? Yeah. Who's it? A tall black guy over there. You're supposed to say African-American. African-American. <laughs> I'm the front, you're the follow. I was the follow last time. Don't argue. Go on, go. First of all, I got to say, uh, the McNulty sons, um, wow, woke much, <laughs> you know, unbelievable. I mean, yeah. this, this, you know, this was the beginning of, woke this culture. is the beginning of woke culture. All of a sudden you can't, you, you got to call everyone African-American. Can't even front and follow anymore. You can't even front and follow <laughs> without people fucking trying to cancel you. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, they, they do a front and follow on him. Uh, Jimmy Tri trivia uh, corner. Yeah. Go uh, ahead. This risky tactic conducted at close quarters is used to track targets on the move. Usually on foot Two surveillance operatives approach the target at different times. The first falls in behind the target and begins following him discreetly. The second operative predicts the target's path and takes up a position ahead of him. The two agents continue in this manner until the front operative feels the need to lie low or misinterprets the target's destination. Then the following operative repositions to the front and the other operative falls in behind. Oh, I was going to say, um, feels like it'd be really easy to... Like if you're the front guy, you're gonna get lost because mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to predict which way he's going. That's the drawback. Yeah, but then you just have the the follow becomes the front, and that makes a lot of sense. But um, w what I enjoy about watching this scene is that uh, they end up losing their father, which um, metaphor, um, and then. Uh, <laughs> They also, when Jimmy is like waiting for them to come out the other side, he uh, he turns on his car and he's playing in the jungle is playing yeah. <laughs> like this is the song he was listening to <laughs> with his kids. I imagine it's in the tape deck 
where he's just like, come on, guys, we're going to the Baltimore farmer's market. Better put on some tunes. Yeah. Um, you can imagine him uh, just like tailing Stringer Bell and then mouthing, oh, we moep, oh, we moep, oh, we All right. So then um, when he loses his kids, he goes to the security security also, guy. I, I, sorry, I did want to point out that uh, McNulty is uh, driving like a really dog shit Chevy Cavalier. And yeah. uh, I th- think between this and Swingers, uh, in which John Favreau drives a Chevy Cavalier, I feel like at this time period, like the Chevy Cavalier was like the official vehicle of like quasi loser clubs. Like, yeah, yeah. You had, that yeah. was a way to telegraph, like, yeah, this guy doesn't have that much money. And, uh, right. Yeah, he, it was your way of saying this is a schlub and he's driving the schlub mobile and, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, you know, kind of fucked up because he's also like chasing after a Camry the whole time. And, you know, it's 2002. So they were like, Camry? That's a nice car. That Camry's nice. Yeah. Wow. No, that was a luxury it's car. Roomy. It was a much less uh, elastic product than a Chevy Cavalier. I think we Wait, we, actually, this was a thing I noticed in the episode that I hadn't noticed before. Mm-hmm is that the cars are not nice. There's like yeah, a no, in general. bunch of Mitsubishis. Yeah. Like yeah, the, Stinkum the whole, drives a Montero. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, what I like about that, though, is it's like uh, just like the all the pretty girls in the show are like sixes and sevens, right? Like the prettiest girl is Rhonda Perlman on the show, right? Like she's supposed to be like, oh yeah, Jimmy and Rhonda. And it's like, everyone just looks normal and they all drive schlub cars because that is what, it's like, this is a schlub city. Yeah. This is a city mm-hmm. full of schlubs. And <laughs> and that's, that's what makes it, it like uh, feel like more like mm-hmm. a documentary, like real life, you know? Well, I think, I do think that that's And what, fetch I me watching- a schlubbery. Sorry. <laughs> Stupid. No, Stupid. But, the, but this, I think part of the reason I feel like an, an emotional connection to the wire is that um, I think about, I know that I think about Baltimore in, in a very similar way to the way that David Simon, I know that I think about Providence in a very similar way to, to the way that David Simon thinks about Baltimore. Right. And it's all kind of like caught up in a, a nostalgia that isn't really earned and is actually kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, and I first found out who David Simon was when I went on this trip with my dad to Washington, D.C., and we went to Baltimore on the way to go see Edgar Allan Poe's house. Mm. And we, we were, like, driving, and we couldn't figure out where it was. And this lady, like, flagged us over. It was so hot. It was, like, over 100 degrees. And this lady, like, flagged us over. My dad's like, roll down the window. And I rolled down the window, and the lady's like, are you looking for the Poe house? <laughs> we're like, we're like, yes. She's like two streets over, like take her, like there's literally no other reason why like this, this yeah. dad in his Jetta with his like teenage daughter is in this neighborhood. Other than that, they're just like poor saps looking. For, like, it's not fair. You could have been buying drugs. No, they were like, they're not buying drugs. They were looking for the Poe house. Like, okay, we can, like we can tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, credit um, to Baltimore, though. How many other cities are have a football team named after like a former literary? Uh, absolutely. Type? There are no other literary I mean, yep. football mascots, I don't think. 
so then my dad was like, oh, well, did we, we actually, actually, this is, we couldn't go into the Poe house because the conditions were not acceptable for visitors, but people live on either side of like the Poe. <laughs> like just everything with my dad was like, oh my God, like really? Yeah. I have to like tell this as a real story because it's just going to sound like real dumb and made up. Yeah. But, um, and then, uh, so then like when we, we were driving, my dad was like, well, well, you know, my expounding on the, the like racial divide of Baltimore and like telling me about this amazing book, Homicide. And then mm. I read Homicide that summer before my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. Which has since become an incredibly problematic book, but was very eye opening. You know, I never read it, so I can't um, I can't say whether or not it's problematic, but I have read The Corner. And that one, pretty good book. I, I mean, say. Homicide's good also. It's just, it depicts cops cutting some corners in order to put people away. Yeah, but I, he doesn't, he, but like so many of the cases have now been overturned. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, that happens, you know, sometimes. Oh, what's up, Brent? Oh, hey guys, uh, we do need to stop for some uh, ad breaks. So no cutting corners like those cops in the, right. the homicide. <laughs> we Very never. good. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And now for a word from our sponsors, whoever they may be. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we are back. All right, so um, I've divided this episode up into a few different parts. Um, the first is the street part, um, which uh, I've named, Hey Now, You're an Omar. <laughs> um, and then the other is the detail, which I've also named, Day Day Come and He Gets to Go Home. Uh, so let's start with our um, with the street. Uh, we open with Stink Bay and some other guy, uh, and they are raiding Omar's old safe house, the the apartment that he he used to live in, and uh, they see pics of him and Brandon together, and uh, you know, gonna be honest, they're very problematic about it. Uh, <laughs> they call him a quote Peter Puffer. And then uh, they set his van on fire while he's watching. And uh, I got to say, Peter Puffer feels out of place, but I'm also yeah. didn't grow up in Baltimore. <laughs> feels a little uh, too clever by half, but you know, right? Oh, I accept like, it. I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go with it, but that to me felt like something like I don't know if Peter Puffer is what they would have gone with. Yeah, like even if like. It's like a step above Fudge Packer, I guess, but I feel like their slurs would either be Fudge Packer would have been way more accurate. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I would have been like, I could believe it, but Peter Puffer feels yeah. like I mean, I, like as far as I know, I only know Peter Puffer from Full Metal Jacket, um, and I mean, I I can guess what it means, you know, puffing. It's right in the. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's right there. You're yeah. puffing a guy's Peter. <laughs> But um, I'm not sure if that uh, it feels very 1960s. I don't know. Yeah, what's well, the origin of Peter Puffer? Do we know? What do you mean? What's the origin? Is he puffing Peters? Yeah, but who's the first guy who was like, "Hey, here's a good slur, Peter Puffer"? Who, who knows? Lost. It could be Arlie Army in Full Metal Jacket. Who knows? You think he was the first guy? Probably not. Probably not. But you know, he's the guy who po po popularized it. Oh, it definitely it. could have been him. You think so? It definitely could have been him. Which I feel like also, yeah. You know what? I bet it was him. It's hard I to mean, believe these guys that. saying it because I can't imagine them calling uh, calling a, the member a Peter because that's uh, right. That's very like you know. That's what I'm 50s saying. White I think, guy slang. Right. On on the Urban Dictionary, it attributes Peter Puffer to. Uh, uh, what's his face? Arlie Emery? The general. Yeah. Wow. Well, shout out to uh, the late Arlie Emery, Ermy. the guy who invented uh, a, a new slur. It's Ermy. As far as we know. That's it's okay. Ar it's Army? Ermy. Arlie Ermy. Oh, I thought that was all these times. I thought it was Emery. No. Whatever. Um, so they call him a slur <laughs> and they set his house on fire. And then meanwhile, and uh, Omar, because he knows the streets so well and he, he's developed a rapport with uh, the, all the people in the neighborhoods, he is able to just watch this from afar from the apartment of a uh, single mother that he's given heroin to because he's yeah. such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, though. He is a nice guy. Like, I like that he was like, in exchange, I will hold your baby while you do heroin. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, I mean, she asked basically, hey, do you want to, you know, you, you want a little bit? And he's just like, no, I'm good. And part of me is like, no, that doesn't ring true. <laughs> I don't think there's not too many junkies like, hey, you want to share? Come on. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I know. Oh, what? No, that's a total part of junkie culture. No, I mean. She's like, no, she's like Mr. Omar. Okay. Maybe I have only ever shot heroin with white people, but <laughs> it is 
not what we do, all right? We just go, this is mine. You know, maybe it's more communal. In William S. Burroughs, the famous thing about William S. Burroughs was that he always got to use the needle first. And that's how he never got. Oh, that's nice. I like that. He was just giving everyone out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Everybody was like, you're you're the, you're the, you are the junkie. No, everybody, junkies share needles all the time. No, of course they do. But they don't, they don't like, but you use the full hit, you know, you, you don't, you don't like. But but Mr. Omar, but Omar is so respected. That's true. And he has come and given this to her. I think, I don't think you know what you're talking about, man. I think I know plenty of what I'm talking about. (laughs) All right. And I'll tell you right now. You could share the needle, but you're not sharing the hit. The hit is yours. Yeah, but not if somebody like Omar. Oh yeah, I guess if you got like a really nice guy who gives you some. He's maybe... the guy who gave her the heroin, so I feel like that's where that. Yeah. All right, all right. You guys don't. And know also, he like he watches out for her, and. Yeah, that's fair. All right, fine. I'll I'll concede. It's plausible, <laughs> but Peter Puffer is not. It's way more plausible than Peter Puffer. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Honestly. Yes. Um, Which is weird on a show where they say the N word with like a hard R pretty. Yeah, funny. they also say the the F bomb a few times, which is what I was expecting in that moment. But I got Peter Puffer, and I'm just not going to let it go. Um, so then we get a little Wallace update. Um, Wallace is asleep in the afternoon, wearing all of his clothes. So you know things not going so good for him right now. And one of the kids that he lives with asks him for some help on his homework. Hey. Damn, Cyril, look, Ozark, you work in the ground stash, 20 tall pinks. Two fans come up to you and ask for two each, another one cops three. Then Bodie hands you off 10 more. But some white guy rolls up in the car, waves you down and pays for eight. How many vials you got left? 15. How the fuck you able to keep the count right? You're not able to do the book problem here. Can't be wrong, they'll fuck you up. You know, I think he makes a good argument for how we should bring violence back into the school. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, they basically made an entire season out of that. Uh, That's out of true. That scene, so. yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Uh, this is like such a. I don't know if we can, if spoilers are a thing, but yeah. Well, we can say is, spoiler alert. There it is. Spoiler alert! Things don't work out well for Wallace. Yeah, I little know. baby Michael B. Jordan. I know. I know. And it's like, it's I, I, what I found interesting about the scene though was that. Um, you know, they talk about how a lot of these word problems and the problem with standardized testing is always just kind of a cultural bias towards white people. And um, and it's kind of hard to I think if you're if you're someone within the culture, it's hard to see how a word problem could be confusing. But then Wallace's word problem based entirely on the slang that they use in order to sell fucking drugs. I wasn't following it. I was just like, wait, 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 hold on, start, o- start over again. And I realized, oh, that's what it sounds like when you're talking about your your train going 60 miles per hour, you know, from Chicago to L.A. It's like, oh, OK, I see it. It does sound more confusing. Mm-hmm. But I'll, by the way, I still can't do the. I don't know when the train gets in. I've, <laughs> I've never known. I've, I've, I think I've avoided that question my entire, you know, math career. So and look where it's gotten you. I, yeah, I'm podcasting now. Yeah. Hell yeah. The white man that rolls up, that was my dad. No, I'm joking. 
A white man rolls up at 60 miles an hour and asks which way to the po house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many blocks? How many more blocks to the po house? How, yeah. How far away are we from the po yeah. house? Um, he asked for two red tops and for the direction to the po house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Poot then tells D that uh, Wallace is bugging, and he's worried about him, and he wants uh, you know D to talk to him. And then Weebay shows up to pick D up so they can go on a beef run, which is the first time I've ever heard the term beef run, and I think I love it. Yeah, um, I had to look this one to up. This this is an important <laughs> segment of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which we which we call lake trout, in which we discuss the uh, culinary specialties of the city of Baltimore. This is hold on, hold on. I gotta sorry. play the sting. Oh, okay, sorry. Fried chicken, lake trout. No lake, no trout. Uh, from Baltimore, you say you was, I never see you. All right. I didn't know we had a bumper for that, but now we do. I like it. Um, yeah. yeah. So this is a beef run. I didn't know what a beef run meant so i put the question out to david simon on twitter he did not respond but a lot of people that know baltimore better than i do uh did respond i want to say um david simon you're really fucking up not responding to literally any of our tweets okay i'm just like all all i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask my friend to yeah oh please do because he he does respond to me like fairly frequently he just i don't think i gave him enough time i only sent this to him like an hour before okay uh, all right or or alternately you could ask laura Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying because he spent he spent the last three days arguing with people on Twitter, <laughs> and I'm just like, stop arguing with them. They're they're, right. they're you're yeah. not going to change their minds. No, these guys live on the internet. Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, but I did find he's just like that. I, did, I know he I, really is just like that. I did find out that uh, the beef run in question, they were probably going to get uh, Baltimore pit beef. Mm. Um, I was like, what is Baltimore pit beef? Uh, and so I went to uh, one of the restaurants that s- serves it. Um, hold on, let me figure out what that is. Uh, yeah, Chaps Pit Beef. Uh, and their description is Baltimore barbecue has a distinctive flavor that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, Baltimore Pit Beef is barbecued beef that is crusty on the outside and juicy and almost rare on the inside. The oh. meat is shaved into thin strips and heaped high on a sandwich. Uh, people oh, come far oh. and wide for a Baltimore pit beef sandwich. Most of the time, top round is used instead of brisket. Uh, mm. The bread also adds a layer of tastiness. Pit beef is served on a Kaiser roll or rye bread, which wow. give an earthy flavor to the sandwich. What else makes this such a signature Baltimore dish is the sauce. Uh, unlike other regions, which use a mix of ketchup, brown sugar, or vinegar to give the meat its flavor, the sauce used with Baltimore pit beef has horseradish sauce in it, which keeps the customers coming back for more. And goddamn, did that ever make me hungry. Fuck, that sounds goddamn delicious. Uh-huh. I didn't know it what sounds... that was until now, but thank you, yeah. David Simon, for making me hungry. Thank you, David Simon. Well, the girl say so. <laughs> no, that one didn't make sense. I'm going to try a new one. Who's your daddy now? There we go. No, that, that, let's try another one. yabba dabba dabba do. No? All right. All right, hold on. You happy now, bitch? All right, we'll go with that. Um, so that is your lake trout for this episode um they go on this beef run poot gets a pit to himself and then while they're at pulaski uh eating their their pit beef um they're celebrating the fact that stinkum is now getting points on a package they're gonna go take over this guy scar they're taking over his corner and um so they're they're gonna celebrate the fact that he's getting points on a package and then 
D decides to tell them about this thing that Orlando told them about. He said, hey, you know, he's got some connection in New Orleans and uh, he wants to, you know, fucking sell a little bit of drugs on the side, which I thought was um, weirdly naive of D. Yeah. To how stupid bring could that he up. be? Like I, I, like, I know he's not like the most street smart guy in the crew, but goddamn, you think you're going to be selling different drugs out of the side of uh the out of, of the, the same, pit yeah out of the pit the where same you sell, territory yeah, that come on, is man. like how dumb are you i mean d'angelo is like he's consistently like the used as like the expository totally he's, so he's like i don't know guys what if we sold drugs on the side <laughs> yeah. and, we, and we didn't tell avon yeah. what do you guys think would happen i love him but that's the way he's written. He's he's sensitive and he's introspective, but sometimes, boy, is he ever a goddamn Fredo. Yes, he's he's a big Fredo, yes. and I do think you're right that his Fredo-ness is absolutely just a device in order to be like, let's do, you know, uh, a little bit of exposition and let's, uh, on the rules of the game. Um, something that I, I, I guess they're assuming most people wouldn't know, although I can't imagine anyone would not know that that was i mean orlando told it to him like looking over his shoulder in secret like <laughs> yeah. hey uh, i think i got a connection for us you know so um but yeah uh orlando then of course gets summoned by string and avon um who asks him if he needs more money and then they kind of beat the shit out of him uh because yeah he's their front guy he uh should not be getting in the game slight update uh, yes, David Simon has indeed responded to confirm that it was pit beef that they were uh, that they were going for. L- uh, look, I'm glad he responds. Are you David Simon besties? I mean, I think so. It's sort of well, the beginning. We're not besties. But... We're not besties enough for you not to send that email. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> David Simon has no idea who I am, but he. You know his. I don't. I don't know what. Send the email anyways. <laughs> he doesn't know who I am, and I, all I keep doing is telling him to go on the show. Um, but yeah, so, uh, cut to D is at a wild hooker party. Everyone's having <laughs> fun. Everyone's dancing. The hookers are hooking the, the drug dealers are drinking and doing some other I drugs. I always wonder, I mean, they always have these kind of parties on HBO shows and I always wonder like what the pitch is like to the girls where it's like, Hey, you want to come be slutty around some criminals? And they're like, yeah, we sure do. I mean, you mean the girls, the actresses in the scene no, or the girls no, that, in the, the characters? I'm I'm pretty sure that, that, that to me, this was like the closest to a real life version of this because they are literally Orlando's girls. Those are mm-hmm. uh, different dancers at the club. I guess I'm Orlando's. just curious whether there's coercion involved, whether it's expected as part of their job or whether they're just like, Hey, we got some drugs. You want to come do them with us? Or I think a little column okay, guys, A, a little column B. This is where this is where I'm going to drop my sex work. Ooh. Uh, the sex work advocacy is an incredibly important thing to me. Yes, uh, dancing, stripping is a form of sex work, as is exchanging sex for other things. Mm-hmm. I actually was worried when I watched rewatched this season, I was worried about kind of the treatment of these dancers mm-hmm. and how they were going to be treated. And they're actually treated like, like the, the death of the dancer mm-hmm. is becomes like a real turning point for D'Angelo. Yeah. Yeah. And also I would say that 
whether or not it's a directive from Orlando or not, mm-hmm. if what they are doing is not done under duress, then they should be free to do it. Yeah, I, uh, that's kind of where I landed on it as well, because as far as I know, like Chardine isn't there. Chardine mm-hmm. doesn't go to the party. Mm-hmm. And that's, Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. I mean, what my, my take was that they're showing up because it's sort of considered part of the job but like you know not necessarily not necessarily to the point where it's like mandatory it's more like when you're when your work is like hey we're doing happy hour you know it's probably like good for your career to go to that but like honestly yeah Yeah. you're not gonna get fired if you don't go probably but yeah uh, no it's it's like um you know it's uh it's a work party at chevy's you know, mm-hmm. you go- but not having not having Chardine there mm-hmm. enables them to then refer to her as a citizen. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is which is which is I think if you had given David Simon a couple of years because mm-hmm. then he goes and makes the deuce, he would have realized that that was like an easy out. But I forgive it. I forgive yeah. it because for the most part, he does a good job. Yeah. And I, I think that their ref- reference to her as a citizen is more about the fact that she doesn't have a uh, criminal record like she's the one person there who um you know, and she has glasses and she has glasses uh, let's be honest most of it is the glasses it's like <laughs> who here you know in this lineup of exotic dancers do you think um you know uh, has a soul and they're just like mm. <laughs> yeah soul conscience whatever you want to call it she's a citizen right it's in the eyes instinct detective the glasses <laughs> it's the glasses and he's like nah that's instinct nope it's glasses let's let's just be real um sorry i'm just like i get really heated when people do uh anti-glasses discrimination um <laughs> but uh yeah so uh at this um fun fun hooker party um D is, oh my God, Matt! Also, you have to stop saying hooker. Oh, oh, well, okay. I'll stop saying the the word hooker. Is 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 hooker not allowed? Hooker no more? is like when no, and when when I, we like are we, we watched Frasier, and for some reason, like every other episode of Frasier is like the joke hinges on someone being a hooker, and every mm. time you hear it, it's like it's so cringe. It does have a Can't really hard. Hooker. K and R in it. So I never yeah. considered that. All right. I mean, you can say, you can, I mean, you can say hooker in your podcast. So I'm not going to tell you what you can say and what you can't say. No, 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 no. That's fair. I didn't know it was one of those words you couldn't say. You know, it's, here's it's the problem with cancel. You're trying to cancel me on my own <laughs> podcast. Uh, no. So D goes to a, uh, a wild sex worker party. Um, <laughs> and uh is where sex work is work where sex work is work and so he is clearly feeling uncomfortable um and it is there's at one point we bay um is dancing with a woman who is like i'm gonna throw up and then he pushes her into the room like no you're not and closes the door so he's clearly uh raping a woman behind closed doors and it's like it's it's one of those choices that you make for a character that i feel like in any other show um we may play such a comic relief type character that you don't have your comic relief be a rapist as well you have someone who's maybe a little bit more like if stinkum had done it or whatnot or but what bird. makes 
or bird. But w- bird. what makes this show uh, kind of amazing is that when you see that and you go like, oh, Weebay, how could you? And then you remember like Weebay straight murders people all the time. And you, it's like uh, it's a show where there are no good guys. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't think twice about putting a character that you love yeah. uh, perversely There's into no a situation. Being like I thought Weebay was a guy we could root for. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, when there's well, really only one of those. Weebae's son is going to become... I know. But the, there is an arc, though, because then Weebae's son comes out of it. Right. And his mother, his mother member keeps telling him, no, you're Weebae's son. You have to be like this. You have to be like right. this. Right. And, and uh, again, and it's what in. makes the show, I think, incredible is that, uh, yeah, they don't... They're, they're not going to shy away from showing the darkest, most evil path for a, that a character can take and then also give them not even a redemption arc, but really just like human moments where it's like, well, this is still a human at the end of the day. So, uh, but yeah, for now, um, fuck Weebay. That's what I'll say. And uh, so later when D comes back on a drink run, I love that he went on a beer run. And <laughs> it was a liquor run, and, but yeah. It was a liquor run. He, he goes on a liquor run and then uh, the party is already over. <laughs> yeah. I like that they made the, they made a rape scene also like a comical like beer commercial scene where it's like... <laughs> I, yeah. what, I come back and the party's over? Come on, guys. Jeez. Yeah. He's like, but guys. Yeah, but guys, I brought Dos Equis. <laughs> and then they drink yeah. interesting beer. Um, So uh, D comes back and sees uh, Keisha, uh, who was the girl who was raped. And now she is dead. And uh, when he tells... When he tells them, um, he doesn't even really fully say anything. He just like looks at them and Weebay gives this look like, ugh, not again, which is, uh, I think, the darkest response possible to that scene because it's not like the, oh, fuck, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, I know. I was hoping that by the time you came back, she'd wake up. It was like clear that he knew that this had happened. So very, very, very dark. Um, and later that's why when you guys were like that's why when you guys were like oh the 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 show episode is lessons i was like yes come for the king you best not miss and then i was like oh, oh no that wasn't the oh, lesson this yeah. one too. no there's a lot like, of lessons <laughs> this is a lesson packed <laughs> episode <laughs> but there's there's like that 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 like just like oh yeah really was I just like, I'll never forget. Like, yeah. it is the same today as when I watched it for the first time. Yeah. Like, super chilling. Super chilling. Super fucking chilling. And you can tell it chills D to the core as well, because when D, um, in his last scene, um, you see him um, with Chardine, who's worried that uh, Keisha hasn't come home yet, hasn't come home yet, and D pretends not to know anything about it. And then D essentially has a panic attack um, while he is talking to Chardine. You know something? This game, this thing with my uncle, might not be right for me, I'm thinking. Nothing good to it but the money. Sounds about like my job. I mean, you got people using each other, scamming each other. Shooting folks cause might be a fucking dollar in it. I mean, get to some time like I, I can't even fucking breathe. 
Like, I can't even get no air. You know what I mean? Do something else. So you happy with your job? Shit. Do something else. I am. I'm going to have to. I, Shit. To me, like, having just come from a Sopranos podcast where I would say uh, nose acting was a big factor, like breathing acting with mm -hmm. uh, James Gandolfini. <laughs> oh, wait. Do you guys know that I took my daughter to the ENT and she no longer breathes like a a, a cast member of Sopranos? Oh, <laughs> very nice. I don't know if I told you guys that the first time, but yeah. She was, she was, she did a lot of mouth breathing because she had enlarged adenoids. Oh. And whenever I would try to describe it to the doctor, the, like my default was, you know, like a guy on the Sopranos. <laughs> You've and just ruined her acting like career. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyway, I mean, I gotta say, no, but the nose acting. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm. I'm. First of all, I'm very happy for your daughter and the good breathing. I actually <laughs> uh, will need you to send me the name of that uh, doctor because I do nothing but breathe hard. And annoy the shit out of Vince, but um, yeah, no. Uh, the actor who plays uh, D'Angelo Barksdale, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. Yeah, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. Um, really, for me, this is like some of the most understated acting on the show that has them like packs the most powerful punch. Just the clear description of his panic attacks and the fact that he's kind of having one in that moment. Uh, really, really gets me. And I also love the way it ends because Chardine is like, do something else. And he throws it right back at her by saying like, oh, you like your job? Well, why don't you do something else? As if it's that easy. And um, yeah, it is, uh, it is a great scene. And it is in that scene when you find out about what happens next um, to Stinkum and Weebay. So Stinkum and Weebay are looking at the very corner that they are about to take from uh, some off-brand slurs, uh, Scar being one of them. Uh, and uh, they are planning to uh, take them from two sides. is going to approach, and then Stinkum's going to approach, and yeah. blah, blah, and blah. And then uh, Omar shows up, and it's just a credit to like the confusing nature of the wire that there's a character named Scar and it's not Omar. It's just some other dude that we don't know. <laughs> I know. And who may or may not. Have yeah. A lot of people have scars is the thing. Yeah. Well, eventually we're going to meet Marlo, uh, who also has a scar. You know, yeah. this is, uh, I guess, uh, you know, scars on faces is a normal thing in the gang world. Hence, well, you guys know how, how Michael K. Williams got the scar, right? Uh, have you discussed this yet? Was it a hockey accident? <laughs> it was lacrosse. Did I invent that in my head? <laughs> it, was, it was lacrosse. It was lacrosse. Okay. <laughs> no, what, wait, how did he get it again? He got into a like a bar fight and the, the guy had a razor blade hidden under his tongue and slashed his face. Under, I'm sorry, did you say under his tongue? A guy just had a razor blade under his tongue ready to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, if you seems if like you, a recipe for disaster, is, though. I'll be no, real. No, this you. is is this is so I, my I the wire is so I I can't do this on I'm so connected to the wire. But you will get a callback to that when uh, uh, Priz Beluski yeah. is teaching, and that girl slashes the other mm, girl's face. Yeah. Just but having a razor blade under the tongue. Is that an all, at all times thing? That's like, like one, one of them Peaky I, Blinders would do, it sounds like. No, but at least that's eh. on a hat. 
I'm yeah. just imagining under. It's like I think it's like I think it's like you put it like in your gums. Yeah, like, even worse. Know. It's where I you never... conceal a blade. That's why you use the razor blade. Conceal it. <sighs> but it just seems I mean, like, like that guy will be like, thing. finally, I got to use my razor blade. <laughs> <laughs> That could it be, was okay, that could be totally You picked the wrong one. <laughs> you, you, picked you, the, you were not the one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you want to friend me, motherfucker? How do you think I got like this? <laughs> um, yeah. So that's our impression of guys without tongues. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so D, uh, sorry. So Omar uh, shows up and surprises Stinkum. And, uh, and I have a clip of that very scene. So I'm gonna drop Scar, you just dropped the other motherfucker. Nah, nah, just Scar. His boy break, we gonna let him. But if he raise up, I'm on him, see? Damn, I wish Bird was here, man. Bird be loving this shit right here. Which do remind me, we get up out of here. You need to drop that shit down the storm drain. Yo, who got black top shot? Hey now. Yo, Omar. It's a game. game on, go play. Yo, lesson here, babe. <laughs> Coming to King, you best not miss. Oh, that was worth it. Um, yeah, that took a lot of editing to get him to say, hey now, uh, he's an Omar. Get <laughs> <laughs> your game on. But yeah, kills him. And then he, he shoots uh he shoots Weebe in the leg, but Weebe escapes. I assume that. Omar let him get away to be kind of like, yeah. here's a message. Of course no, he, he had to I reload. He's got a, a double barrel shotgun. Right. He reload no, that thing. it was a message. He was sending a message. Yeah, he was like, like, take this back to Avon. Right, because you can't really learn Come a lesson. Come at the king. You best not miss. I mean, that's not a great lesson where he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to let you live so that you can tell your boss not to mm-hmm. mess with me after I just killed one of your guys and wounded another. No, 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 no. But that's not the lesson. The lesson is I'm going to let you live because, like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm. A, that's why I let most people live. <laughs> no, it's true, though. The, the lesson there is clearly don't fuck with me. And I'm it's basically tell your boss he's next because someone's yeah. got to live in order to send the message. Sure. Um, exactly. Although I will say not killing Weebay, probably not a good idea. Yeah, um, no. Always kill Weebay is my no, opinion. You can't kill Weebay because then you don't get what's his face. Weebay's no, of course. I mean, I don't. I, I'm Come glad on, they did it. In the larger wire universe. Yes. Yes. There's more. There's more that Weebay needs to do. So I'm glad he's not dead. Having said that. If you're dealing with a wee bay in your life, <laughs> kill him. Uh, kill him. Yeah, and don't, don't let miss. Him, don't let him come back on you and don't miss. Yeah, agree. absolutely. Wait, can, I, can, can I read this to you guys? Please. So, is it a poem? It is. It's a poem I wrote just for you. <laughs> okay. um, so much has been made of this singular facial feature over the years that Michael K. Williams felt complained to explain how he came to be scarred in a 2014 NPR interview. Turns out the scar is a lasting memento from a New York street fight reminiscent of something we might have seen in the series that made the actor famous. Mm. This is a quote. The dude wiped his hand across his mouth and smacked me. What he did was he spit a razor. He was positioning the razor in his mouth to get it between his middle finger and ring finger, and then he swiped me down the face. The cut on my face was actually the first hit of the fight, so we managed to escape with our lives barely. Jeez. Again, though. This it, is like what, when you guys doubted me about the Johnny Cakes. Why do I even come I, on your I podcast? didn't doubt. I, I have no never doubting. doubted you once. 
I've never done, but I, I will say, I still think it was a hockey accident. Um, so then um, Avon puts a $10,000 bounty on Omar or anyone in his crew. And then Stringer tries to reason with him and be like, hey, maybe let's not go after Omar right now. And more will be made of that as the show goes on. But that is uh, what's going on with that storyline. And now the final storyline, the detail. Day-Day come and he gets to go home. Um, Freeman uh, is listening to The Wire. And uh, he's pointing out that uh, from last week's episode, we know that two of the pit payphones uh, were busted. Which means that they uh, no longer work and they need to see where the Barksdale people are going to do their phone calls because they got to go somewhere. So Carver is studying for his sergeant's exam while Herc is looking at porn. Um, and while that's I want to point out. Club. Yeah. <laughs> looking at what's, what's club? <laughs> Should I know like, club? <laughs> club was like the. <laughs> How do I, I not know, know this? Why, I don't know why you don't know this. Yeah, how do I not know this? And you know, you know, tell me about club. It's because Matt's a little younger. I actually, I mean, I sort of know, but I don't know. I want to hear your explanation. Club, I'm was like, club was like, if you were like too perverted to look at penthouse, you looked what? at club. Yeah, I felt like it was like an off-brand hustler competitor kind of thing. H- hustler. That's the one I'm thinking. I'm not penthouse. It was like, if hustler was too classy. And then, Damn. like, you went to club. Yeah, a little more straightforward. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I never knew about club. I think one of the things that we have not pointed out about Herc and Carver that hit me in this episode is that what? one of the reasons they make such, like, an adorable uh, buddy cop duo... <laughs> is because they're black and white and they're friends. Well, that and oh. their their hairlines are both receding at almost the exact same speed. And they're, like... <laughs> They're in the exact same. They're in the exact same sta- stage of like they haven't quite accepted their baldness yet because they're still like kind of young guys, but like yeah. not really. Oh, I love that. I never considered that. That that's what the 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 tie that bonds them together is the fact that they both know that they will be bald soon. Yeah, and neither of them want to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. They're in their last the last gasp of being uh, hair having Americans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, that's fine. They're about to, they're still cops, so, you know, fuck them. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Prez comes over to tell them that they got to go follow some boys to the pit. Um, they got to go follow some boys out of the pit to see what payphones they're going to go use. And Herc and Carve are both like, hey, go fuck yourself. You know, don't give us orders. You, you're in office because you shot up your own car, uh, you know, and because you blinded a child. So how dare you tell us what to do? Um, and then Kima shows up and tells them the exact same thing and they both do it, which, uh, I love. And the entire like side quest here is the Herc and Carve are taking the sergeant's exam thing. And I fucking love it because again, it's more of that character development that they do so well on the show where you see that, you know, Seth Gilliam's character Carver is clearly someone who is trying to get ahead. He's someone who wants stripes. He's obsessed with the idea of promotion. Um, And Herc is, I think, a much more pure cop in terms of, like, he's just here to bust skulls. Like, he likes promotion. He's here for the love of the game. Right. But he's going to get promoted because he schmoozes. 
He's not going to get promoted because he, you know, passes, gets the best grade on he's a sergeant. He's going to get promoted because he's an actual dummy. Right. And exactly. Like, we need more dummies like you. Yes, exactly. I and, mean, uh, to be fair, he yeah. treats most of his like exams the way that I treat the uh, like continuing education that I have to do because of HR, where I'm like, this is yes. mostly common sense, right? Like, I'm not going to study for this. Get out of here. <laughs> I will say that is one of my favorite things that they do is when uh, Carve is testing Herc and the question that is asked is essentially an HR sexual harassment like course that you have to take. According to Q1, the general order covering sexual harassment in the event a female officer in your squad complains that her side partner has sexually harassed her, you should A, notify the commanding officer, B, notify the shift lieutenant, or C, notify the ranking female officer. I go with D. D. Yeah, bitch slap the side partner for dipping into my private stock, then take Missy home and fuck her till she smiles. Okay. Hell yeah. Can I point out, can I point out a non-funny? Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Not after so the reggae horn. Do you remember what do you remember what Weebay says to D'Angelo when D'Angelo comes down and sees the girl passed out? This is fucked her silly. He says, I fucked her silly. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, I didn't even notice that. Wow. Yeah, you're right. There's actually a few of these times, uh, uh, these parallels between the police in the street in this episode. The second one. Oh, oh I mean, the whole show. That's the whole show, right? No, that's no, it lesson. is. But the one that I noticed <laughs> is um, after the uh, Stinkum and Weebay and the other guy raid Omar's apartment and they start, you know, basically doing homophobia. The scene that directly follows that is Bunk shows up to work in a pink shirt and McNulty basically calls him gay for, yeah. for doing so. Takes guts wearing a pink shirt in the BPD homicide unit. Or guts or a familiarity with alternative lifestyles. Yeah, you know, it's in order to show that, like, these guys, the cops, the bangers, they're all kind of the same guy. Um, so, yeah, and then later, of course, Carve takes his test, and when his pencil breaks, uh, <laughs> he, he says... My pencil lost its point. Well, the girls say so. <laughs> Which, uh, to me, is the most David Simon-esque, uh, that's what she said joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I that was that firmly... Was, that was, that's what she said for English majors, for sure. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It really was. I was like, I don't think Herc would say all the girls say so. I mean, I think he, he would have... Yeah. Oh, that's what she said. All the girls say yeah. so. Yeah. Pencils, that damn near killed them. Was that, that's what she said? Like, was that, like, was had the to be. 2002? Yeah. Oh, People were, that's yeah. what she no, said. No, they were doing that when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've been, that's How what she said. How old are you, though? I'm, I'm 37. Oh, Definitely, that's what she ago. said was around since, like, Wayne's World, wasn't it? I forget oh, where. Oh, it was around since Wayne's World, you're right. Yeah, you're that right. sounds right. But, um... Yeah, that's what she said. That's what I think he would have said. That's what he said. Um, Okay, so the detail listens to a call in which String is talking to someone about some guy named Day coming down to get 20 of something, and they're all confused. They don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, So they decide to, you know, take some pictures, see what's going on, see if they can um, find them taking some drugs out of the projects. You know, maybe they can get a big bust or tie it into the uh, to the wire case somehow. Turns out the day that they were talking about was 
Day Day. Day. Yeah, Day Day's back. He is, uh, we met him hanging out in the uh, driver's lounge of that uh, weird DC party in the last episode, talking to Daniels about how much he would like to uh, crack this crib. And uh, they pull him over and catch him with $20,000 in full cash. And uh, they essentially, I guess they arrest him. I don't know what they're doing. They detain him. Um, I don't know if you can, I mean, I guess like having $20,000 in cash that you picked up from a known drug spot is probable cause. Well, they didn't know it was drugs. I mean, they didn't know it was money. They call it um, civil forfeiture. forfeiture. Right, right. But to arrest him right there. cops can do whatever they want. That's true. Cops are, yes. And they don't arrest him. They detain him. Right, yeah. right. They didn't book him. They just took him and his and money. You, usually that's a thing they do on purpose. Like Eric Garner, everybody, like the the thing that came out of it was like, oh, they busted him for selling Lucy's. And it was like, that wasn't really what he was mad about. He was mad because like they would come down there and just like jack his money from him a lot. Not right. Like, yeah. And that was more the bigger issue than like busting him for selling Lucy's. It was just kind of, they would just like come down and like use him as the fucking ATM. But like in this case, right. they didn't, know that they were getting money it's a little i don't know this this plot line is a little All weird to me are j- bad. just because exactly. this this plot line's a little weird because like the the opening of the episode is lester freeman being like uh these guys will change up at the drop of a hat like anytime we do anything and then last episode it was like they didn't want to they only wanted to bust the runner because they didn't want him to know uh, there was a that, wire that there and was they a stole, wire and this right. one they kind of just like they jack this guy as like a fishing expedition which seems a little out of character for what they were going for before but uh i guess they didn't know who this guy was so they weren't as afraid yeah, they don't to... know that he's have we been introduced to clay davis yet yeah well, not, not, just not briefly formally they yeah. pointed at him at the party but, but he uh, hasn't said Cheated, he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't said. Okay. Oh, which one is it? Which one is it? You shit all over yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to label those. <laughs> um, one of them is says shit. She. Yeah, there it is. Shit. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Day Day uh, is sitting in an office, and Daniels comes in because he knows him from the party, and he kind of. Uh, Talks a little bit of baseball with him and then basically explains to the detail, hey, we're going to we're going to keep his money. And, um, you know, if he comes for it, saying where he got it, um, then they'll gladly give it back. So he's he's got this plan going. But then he tells Burrell um, what's going on. And um, Burrell immediately it just is like, fuck this. I'm shutting down the wire. Give it back. It's drug money in that car. Give him back his money. Now, I ask you to put a charge on the drug dealer, Lieutenant. That's all I ask. And now I got wiretaps, pager clones, affidavits coming out of my ass. And you, you're in people's shit where you're not supposed to be. Sir. I'm shutting this down, Lieutenant. You charge what you can, and you do it by the end of the week. We did nothing wrong. You jacked up a senatorial aide. You shit all over yourself. I mean, one of the most important like takeaways of the wire, like as a whole, is just being like, yeah, you 
you attack the the drugs, you know, you know who you're going to get. If you follow the money, who knows where it's going to go? And that's like, right. You know, that's like, which the, is a thing they literally say. They say, yeah. Like, multiple times. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you know, I, I like mean, it, I subtlety is not always a good like, thing, you know? <laughs> no, it's not. And that's why I'm like, even the character of D'Angelo being like so expository, you're like, this is, right. a, this is a David Simon show. This is how it works. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, some things are going to be on the nose often. So he says he's going to shut it down. Daniels runs over um, to the rest of them and says, give him his money back. And then he goes and then McNulty says, oh, fuck that. I'm going to confront Daniels and decides to basically accuse him of being a dirty cop um, and snitching. Why would he be fucking telling him? He's the deputy for operations and I just jacked up an aide to a state senator. How do I not tell him? Yeah, Lieutenant, have you noticed there hasn't been a complaint so far from the senator? And you know why? Because what the fuck is his driver doing coming out of the high rises carrying that kind of money? That's what I told the deputy. Yeah, and what did he say? We should mind our own business? Like how I had shit all over him? Like how he was shutting us down the end of this week? The fuck he is. We're done. Chain of command, detective. That's all I got from the deputy today. Chain of command? Well, did you tell your major about the senator's driver? Did you tell the colonel? No? Then where's your fucking chain of command? What's the shift lieutenant doing going up the back stairs to the deputy ops? What are you saying? Nothing. Why, you got something on you? You say you got the deputy's ear. What the fuck's he got on you? Only rank detective. And some other shit, but he's not going to tell him. Um, yeah. So uh, McNulty really fucking coming out hot on that. Um, kind of feel like he needs to he does calm not the have, fuck down. Not a man with a ton of tact. No, he doesn't have tact. And um, I do feel like... Uh, I don't know. Everything he just said was a pretty like logical explanation for why Daniels did it. And he still feels it's okay to accuse him of basically like trying to fuck over the wire. I don't know. I feel like Daniels at this point has proven himself a couple of times to Jimmy and Jimmy's still being a little bitch about it. Yeah. He's Um, a petulant child. That's his deal. He's such a little bitch. He's a little bitch for the entirety of he's he's literally the worst character on the show. <laughs> no, but it's it's what makes it amazing. He's a that, rascally you know, Irishman. Come on. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got his dirty. He's got that dirty Irish dick. The final he's, episode when he's finally revealed. Yeah, it turns <laughs> out he's be from Baltimore. Yeah, he's the lucky charms guy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what that means. Uh, so, yeah. Jimmy is really mad and um, they get called back into the uh, judge's office where Phelan basically, you know, yells like, what the fuck? Why are they trying to shut this down? And McNulty and Kima tell him about the senatorial aide. He seems not to care. And then he calls uh, and yells at Burrell. And the wire immediately goes back up, which mm-hmm. I think is great. I like that the uh, the period of time between wire up, wire down, wire up, wire down is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is that, like that the, just took two scenes. This is to the wire what uh, Vince is doing. The movie is to Entourage. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, Vince is uh, out of the movie. Up, oh, Vince is doing the movie again. Yeah. Time for a pool party. Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, I like when he says, "Who's your dad?" Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that yeah. too. I think I have it. Well, the girls say so. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Who's your daddy now? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Shit rolls downhill, so you got to keep finding higher ground uh, mm-hmm. to find someone that can pour shit on the guy above you. Yeah. Which is dangerous because, like, if the guy above you gets shit on, 
him. There's always the danger it's going to seep through the cracks and land on your head. Yeah, you no, know? that's the thing about shit and yep. piss, especially <laughs> right. liquefied shit. That gets through cracks. You better Easy, hope dog. it's a big chunky shit and not. You better mm-hmm. hope he hasn't had too much pit beef that he put a ton of horseradish oh. on. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's uh, well. Now I'm not hungry anymore. Um, so uh, yeah, f- Kima and uh, McNulty a little bit nervous. See, about the, the fact beef that- to hot sauce ratio oh, has got to be higher. The it's more not beef, hot sauce, though, it's horseradish. Yeah, I don't know. It's unclear. Like, well, they made it well, sound that like is they're a hot putting- sauce. Is that it- is a sauce oh, that is, is hot. It is not unclear, Vince. He is shoveling. He's spooning the hot horseradish. Well, either on. way, no, yes. look, you put a lot of horseradish on there. It might be more liquid shit, but if it's just right, if it's just we, really uh, heavily beef, you know, it right. might be a nice hard one that's hard okay, to get out. Okay, but a horseradish is a hot sauce. Yes. Sometimes it comes not in sauce form, but I would still call it a sauce. Mm-hmm. Horsey sauce. Yeah. Leah, are you saying it's not a sauce? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we got to pin her down on this. You, I mean, you come here. I, you, you come here. You tell me, um, you know, uh, the H word bad. And then you come in and you tell me. The other H word. Horseradish. The other. Yeah. How many H words are going to be? You can't say any H words around here. I can't here. say goddamn any H words. That's right. All right. Moving on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, so moving on, um, they the detail finds out that Omar just killed one of the guys on their wire, stink him, and that's really gonna fuck their shit up. Uh, Freeman calls him a loose cannon, which mwah, love love calling him a loose cannon as if he's a cop. <laughs> he's like the acting like 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 Omar is also a hard boiled detective is uh, very very funny. Um, they pull in Omar, question him. Omar denies everything um, and basically tells them, hey, you know, I didn't know that stinking being dead, whoever did it, would fuck up your case. And I'll do my best to not seek murderous revenge on all the people. Look, man, I do what I can do to help y'all. But the game is out there. What, that it? And then uh, Bunk tells Jimmy that Detective Ray Cole is the one who got the stink of murder and then proceeds to tell him that Omar did it. And he's going to have to ask a favor of Bunk. Jimmy asks Bunk to lie to Ray Cole, saying, we will get you a clearance after we wrap the wire. Of course, that's not what's going to happen. So basically, Bunk just lied to poor Detective Ray Cole. And um, he does the one bu- thing that cops <laughs> really hate doing, which is not, uh, you know, the one thing that they really try to avoid, which is not drunk driving, uh, mm-hmm. it's not adultery, right? It's not getting informants killed. No, nope. uh, it's not half-assing a murder investigation. Mm-mm. It's uh, it's getting another cop in trouble. You don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, lying and making another cop That's feel so bad. Mean. Yeah, it better hurt his feelings. It definitely would. It does. He says you should have seen his face. Yeah, straight up. The next scene is Bunk in a bar with Jimmy. He's drunk and he's so sad that he's like, it's like this weird thing that we do with like the police, the the police brotherhood, where it's like 
you're mad at them because they're the police and like they shouldn't work like that. But at the same time, you're like, why doesn't my work work like that? How come no, <laughs> why, how come no one at my work is so afraid to like snitch me out to the bosses and no it's, one no one signs my call sheets? What the hell? You know, like no one covers for me. That this is why doesn't come down and like say no, you can't look at his disciplinary record exactly <laughs> this is the problem is that you know it's like i just want my coworkers to support me yeah you want that kind of support i you yeah. know instead what happens because well, one day you're i do a podcast i get, get away i get told the h word back <laughs> <laughs> sorry this um, is critical race theory this is crt <laughs> um so bunk is very sad that he had to do a lie um and Jimmy do a lie on a cop. Yeah, he had to lie. Yeah, he basically had to. He's gonna hurt someone's feelings later when he doesn't give him the clearance because they're, they're never giving Omar up. He's too valuable of a CI for them to say, "Oh, hey, Ray Cole, that's the guy who did it." You know, so they're gonna basically help Omar get away with murder. Um, and uh, in order to make up for that, Bunk says. Uh, tell my wife um, that I'm working late. And it's very clear that the woman who is giving him those come hither, fuck me eyes um, is uh, going to fuck him. And he's going to cheat on his wife. And Jimmy does a little bit of like judgmental looking at him like, mm. and uh, at that point I wanted to punch Jimmy in the face. Um, later, Jimmy gets a call from a stranger and uh, smash cut to Jimmy going to some random woman's house. <laughs> and in my absolute favorite scene in this episode, possibly my favorite scene in the season, um, Bunk is in the bathroom of uh, this woman's house, lighting his clothes on fire. Get this crazy bastard out of here. What's the matter? He set off the smoke alarm twice. <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> in the bathroom. What the fuck? Bunk, wake up. What are you doing? Hey, Jimmy. What are you doing? Where are your fucking clothes? No, no. What you burn your clothes for, man? Yeah, they are. Yeah, hair. Fibers and pussy on it. Well, trace evidence. You smell pussy? I don't smell no pussy no more. <laughs> Just him trying to destroy the trace evidence so that his wife won't find out he cheated. Um, I think it's like the perfect encapsulation of like cop think mm -hmm. where he is like, well, I'll burn all the evidence and I never find out. Even though it's like all of the circumstantial evidence would lead you to make the conclusion that you cheated as all your clothes are on fire and you're coming home with no shoes on. And um, he's like, well, yeah, but she could, she could never prove that in court. And it's like, yeah, not the point. Um, finally, uh, Jimmy takes Bunk home to sleep on a bunk bed. It's Bunk in a bunk bed. Oh. Why is the kids' yeah. room so much nicer than the rest of the house? It's the only house that he, um, where he needed to impress another living being. Yeah, he uh, needed to spite build an IKEA bunk bed. Don't the kids bed. like presumably see, like what the is rest like, of the house? 
His yeah. wife quizzed him, like, do you have a bed for the kids? Do mm-hmm. you have a quilt? What color? And she, yeah. he knew she, she knew he was lying. So she asked, like, what color? What is this quilt? Got right. It. Okay. So he had, to, he had to go buy Yeah, he had to go buy a bed. And, yeah. And that, build it. it out of spite. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's yeah. a whole... He yeah, if you put it into the context and, yeah, yeah. of he's uh, basically made one nice room for his kids as a fuck you to his ex-wife, it right. makes a lot of sense. Um, and then uh, Bunk has the final word of the episode in which he says, hey, Jimmy, you're no good for people, man. And uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know, everything Jimmy touches, everyone around him, uh, just it all goes to shit. He's not... Uh, you know, it's like I, I said, you know, The Wire is a show about how proximity to deviant Irish behavior can infect even the most righteous of men. And I think this is a perfect example of it. Um, and yeah, that is what happens in this episode. And I think if I had to give this episode a letter grade, I think I'd give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Uh, yeah, tough choice. But like I said... Uh, they give you a lot of medicine and a big old spoonful of sugar to help it go mm-hmm. down. I'm gonna I'm gonna say B plus also. Okay, all right. Uh, Leah Carroll, what would you give this episode in terms of a letter grade? I'm gonna give it a B plus so that I don't get a lot of people telling me that I shouldn't have given it. <laughs> the fact that anyone was like, "Oh, actually, Leah, uh, uh, the bit you, if you don't do the bit, then we hate you." It's like, no, it wasn't that. It was like, it was like, oh, I don't think you understand. That oh, even worse. <laughs> that's even worse. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, shout out to the piggies out there for. For happily correcting, very loyal. yeah, very loyal. for correcting Leah Carroll, where, wherever at any point where they could, um, it was it was a B plus episode of The Wire and an A plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Can somebody please build mm-hmm. a fake Stringer profile? Stringer Bell on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if someone out there wants to take that job on, do it because there's no more perfect LinkedIn profile than a Stringer Bell profile. I would love to connect. I would connect immediately. Uh, once again, the book, it's a memoir and it is called Down City, a daughter's story of love, memory and murder. You can get it at any bookstores, um, including Amazon, but don't get it on Amazon. Get it at your local independent bookstore immediately. It's a great, great book. Leah, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. We appreciated all the stories about the Poe House. I just said namaste. Oh, sick. Patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes where Vince and I talk about other stuff like movies and junk. Uh, The $8 tier gets you a shout out. Vince, this week we have but four shout outs. Uh, all right, I think I can manage that. Yeah, people lagging this week. Only oh, four. Geez. It's fucked up. But we must soldier on. The first one is Rick Gustina. Oh, Dickie G, aka Mucho Gusto. <laughs> all right, good gangster name. Mm-hmm. Next is Matthew Brooks. Yeah, we call this guy Brooks Brothers, aka The Dork. <laughs> That's good. Uh, next is Matthew Benkarski. Mm, 
man, is it okay to say the Polak or is that like? Uh, I'm a, I'm allowing it. Yeah. I'm allowing. We can do it. white yeah. and white racism, can't we? Yes, I'm, I can say Polak because I hate the Polak. Um, and just kidding. Old timey racism always. Absolutely. Um, and finally, uh, Manil uh, Arachichich. Arashige, I believe. Arashige. Okay, yeah. Manil Arashige. We call this guy Arashige in the USA or... Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> no, wait, no. We call this guy... Wow! We call this guy Arachnophobia, a.k.a. Manal Sex. Manal... Damn, you got... That's... You, you just got a lot of nicknames. You know, and that lots of work is, with there. Yeah. Those are your shout-outs for this week. Once again, patreon.com slash broadcast. Join now. Get the shout out. Tell your friends. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google voice number? 275-415. Sorry. 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not. You shit all over yourself. (sighs) (laughs) On a bomber Afternoon In a room full of Homeless kids On a futon Asleep is mad in his head he sees Brendan bleeding out and I don't know walks who says come on man Wallace asks for heroin my knee and my house away from me 
myself, now I'm in hell. I burn it, burn it, burn it in hell, cause I kill myself, and that's not cool. Jesus Christ, he died for our sins. Then I killed myself, and he's like, no, don't do that. You gotta go to hell. If you are sad in life, you... <laughs> Here's the thing. If you kill yourself, then you go to hell. Those are the rules. I don't make the rules. Jesus Christ makes the rules, and I wish he did, cause it's kind of a mean rule, though. Everyone knows it's not cool, though, cause if you kill yourself, it means you're sad, and Jesus is like, be more sad forever. Speak on his death, and Jimmy blames Omar, and he asks Bunk Morland to lie to Rayco to wait tomorrow weeks until. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.